0: Hello, hello! Welcome to another one of Jackie Gets Real episodes. Um, I'm super excited to share you guys this lesson today. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast as much as I am. Um, But before we get started, I want to start my podcast episodes with a quick prayer so that um, we just make sure that we're giving the spotlight to God and not me or, you know, to anybody else because God is the true one that is making this work um, and making it possible. So we have to give the praise and worship to him. So if you would join me now, I'm going to begin to pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for this wonderful day. You have given us the blessing to have certain resources for us to be able to impact, um, for you to impact our lives, um, give us wisdom and courage, being able to just give us just these resources is a really big blessing. So I pray that as I share this lesson today to these fellow listeners and children of God, I pray that they would just be able to impact this into their lives um, and to be able to learn more about the wisdom um, and what they're missing out on and or maybe what they really didn't, think about or ponder over as much. Um, So I just pray that you just take over the show, for your words to come out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And now we are going to transition into the big question of the day. So the big question of the day is, how does fear intervene in our relationship with Christ? Oof. That's a big question. And you probably may already know the answer, but I have a really good um, part in the Bible that I think is super good with this question. Um, And it just really breaks it down like super easy, very understanding. Um, But before I talk about the book or the story in the Bible that we're gonna be talking about, um, or history in the Bible, I guess, um, I wanna tell you about an incident that my little brother Avery had. And we were on vacation, we went on vacation about like, I wanna say like maybe three days ago, I wanna say, like an estimate of three days. And we went to Naples, Florida. And guys, when I tell you that it has been so long since I've been at the beach, like it has been so long. So I'm here at the beach, I'm swimming, and I'm kind of going the deep end, like I'm trying to be a savage, like, yeah, let's go, like, let's, you know, let me be, like, this really cool girl going in the deep end, like, I'm such a savage, <laughs> like, I don't know, it was just like this thought that was just in my head, like, I've got to go, I've got to go. Um, But then I hear my little brother in the background, and he's got, like, this little boogie board, and I don't know if you know what a boogie board is, but it's like a small, like, miniature, like, um, what do you call it? Like, surfboard? Um, and it's just, like, made out of, like, styrofoam. It's got, like, cute designs on the outside or whatever. But it's, like, super cute for little kids. But he's, like, swimming on his little boogie board. And my dad's next to him to make sure he doesn't go too far. And he's, like... I start swimming back, you know, because I'm like, okay, my legs are starting to get tired after, like, just kind of, like, hovering over at the top. So I'm swimming back to the shore, and I hear my little brother say, Oh, no, I'm slipping. I'm slipping off the boogie board. I'm going to drown. Like, he was, like, so scared. And then as I get closer to him, he falls off and then stands up and was like, oh, I can touch the ground. Like, And it was just so funny because it was just like, oh my gosh, like we act like that sometimes. And it's like once we like land on the ground and notice that it wasn't even that bad, um, it's just kind of like, wow, like I just made such a big deal and let my fear take over me so much. And sometimes that fear can last for like days, weeks, months, years. Um, and so it's just kind of like, once you're done with that fear and that fear is over, you kind of look back and you're like, oh my gosh, like that wasn't even that bad. Like I literally could touch the ground the whole time. Um, so that's why I thought this is a really good lesson for today. Um, and I would love if you guys could open your guys' Bibles to Exodus chapter two, and we're going to be reading chapter two, um, through five of Exodus. Um, and if you don't know this part of the Bible in this chapter, it's about Moses and how he was adopted, um, to an, like an Egyptian adopted him and then he ran away and like all this stuff. And then he comes back, he splits the sea, he frees Israel. Like, you know, well, he doesn't free the Israelites. God does, but he's just doing the work for God. Um... And, and God's still doing the work, obviously, too. Like, he's doing a big deal, too. He, you know, he's making sure that the, um, what do you call them, miracles happen. And the different plagues, like, there's he's still doing his job, too. But Moses was also a, an important person in this project. Um, and not project, but just in this moment. Um, so, with that being said, I want to let you guys know that this is, I believe, the crypt- I forgot what type of um, version this is, which I'm super sorry about. I was totally not prepared. Oh, Christian Standard Bible. Um, and I, I like to read the easy version, but I also like to read my Bible every once in a while because this is like a super expensive Bible. So I will be using my Bible today. Um, so again, that's the Christian Standard Version. Um, and I think it's CSV. CSV? Yeah, CSV. So if you're using like the Bible app, you can always check on the versions um, and type in like CSV for short for Christian Santa version, see if it pops up. Um, But you know, read whatever version you like to read as long as you can be able to understand the story um, and just really learn from the lesson today. So, I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to, like, break it down. You can always pause this podcast and, like, read it, read the chapters. It's pretty, like, long. Like, it's a decent, like, I want to say, like, four pages. No, yeah, about four pages, like, you know, both sides, counting both sides. Um, but it's, you know, it's a really good story to read. You don't really get bored from it because, like, once you read one line, you move on to the next, and you're like, what? Oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't know that. Like, it just, like, all this stuff clings together. Um, so if we start off at the beginning of chapter two we learn that moses was adopted um because of the violence between the israelites and the egyptians they just didn't really like it each other um but obviously the israelites were a little bit lower caste in um in like egypt um and the way that the israelites lived like, began in Egypt, because you're kind of like, okay, if they didn't like each other, then why are the Israelites in Egypt? And the reason behind that is because when Joseph lived in Egypt, he became, like, the second king, not, like, necessarily the second king, but he was, like below the king he was like right below the king so he was also a very high like hierarchy or whatever um but anyway once his family moved back once joseph forgave like his brothers and his you know obviously he didn't he didn't have to forgive his dad because you know his dad thought he was dead Um, But once he, you know, let them come live in Egypt, they began to spread. They began to like, you know, Israelites began to, you know, they began to have babies, blah, blah, blah. And then like families began to get bigger and bigger. And that's how the Israelites started living um, in Egypt. And once Joseph died, the next, or yeah, Joseph died. And then I believe the Pharaoh died, like the Pharaoh that was living at the time. So then another Pharaoh took over, but he didn't like the Israelites because he said, he saw it as a threat, as in, like, he saw the the community of the Israelites growing bigger and bigger, and he was starting to feel threatened by it. He thought, like, they were going to take over the power. Um, so then he began to make them slaves. Like, they had to work for them to live in Egypt now. And obviously, the Israelites had to do so because they didn't have a house. They It's too big of a travel between different type of, like, you know, um just states and stuff like that so it was a very big hard time for the Israelites so that's how the slavery began in Egypt um but soon enough um this kind of shows us that how Moses may like already feel like unloved misplaced unacceptable um and if you have learned or not learned but read or listened to some of my other podcasts or if you've gone on my blog and read some of the blog postings off of there, you have learned that there are things called called as false teachings and labeling. And that's basically to give you like a little summarization about what it is. Um, Like it's just literally telling yourself that you are a certain way when God didn't give you that name. So like a lot of people will measure up by weight and they'll say, oh, I'm too fat or oh, I'm too skinny. And God never said that about you. Your name is Jacqueline, or your name is Jessica, or your name is Bob, but your name is not I'm fat, or your name is uh, I'm a disappointment, and we'll get into deeper discussion about that throughout this lesson today, um, but as we began to read this, we see that obviously there's some false teachings and some labelings beginning to show, um, because once Moses gets older, even though he may know that he isn't adopted until he starts to get in that age where they soon tell him, which I don't think they were planning on doing. I think it just kind of slipped out there. Um, but when he gets to that age, he may start feel like, oh, maybe I'm, like, I'm misplaced. I'm unacceptable. And that's when that, or I'm unloved. Um, and that's where that false teaching and labeling begins. So if we go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, Um, it shows a hint to a future scene of being renewed such as baptism and the reason why I say this is because I'm gonna read it real quick and it says when the child grew older she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son she named him Moses because she said I drew him out of water Um, so she named him Moses and I think that's I believe that's the definition behind his name is because she drew him out of the water but also if we notice this We know that water in Christian and biblical terms, we see water as strengthening, as renewing, like the wells. We go to the, they talk about how the shepherds go to the well to, you know, rehydrate, to renew themselves, to get back on on track. Just like with, when Jesus went to the well to meet the Samaritan woman, he was tired himself and he had to rest there. So like, it's just kind of like they had to be um, revived, kind of. Um, and that's kind of like how I think that the water, you know, shows reborn or renewed, just like baptism. Um, when people are baptized, they get baptized in water. Um, and so I think this kind of will go, show us a hint of how, you know, Moses will be renewed. Um, and he is, as we get deeper into the story. So, and then in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, he figures out that the Israelites are his true people. And it doesn't really state that. But it does say in the beginning of verse 11, it says, years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. So, obviously, at some point, he had to have figured out that those were his real people that were out there, not inside the palace. Um, and so, you know, that could also be very frustrating. And so, I believe that anger had to have built up inside of him because a lot of people, um, from what I hear from other people and like from my friends, I ask them sometimes like, would you ever adopt a child? And they're like, I don't know if I would or not, because I'm afraid that like, you know, of telling them that, you know, they're adopted, you know? Um, or when they pick an age, they'll pick like a teenager. And sometimes that can be hard, but I'm like, Okay, well, a teenager is really hard to cope with. Why would you pick a teenager over a little kid when you know you can start teaching them the rules and stuff? And they were like, well, because I don't want them to feel like I'm their actual mom. And then it comes to a point where I have to break the news and say, hey, I'm not really your true mom. But I'm here to protect you and support you and help you get through life. And I love you just as much as a mom would. Um and just like all that stuff and so you know he may have felt like gosh like my parents must have not loved me or he may not have known the story behind like why his parents gave up gave him up or like you know sent him to a more protected place he may have not known that so you know all this anger begins to build up in him and then soon enough he struck and he struck struck an officer in his or like a soldier officer soldier whichever one um and then this is shown right here in verse 12 looking all around all looking all around and seeing no one he struck the egyptian dead and he hid him in the sand and this could have been an act of his anger and just you know seeing that his people are being abused and mistreated and he's starting to be upset because he's like i've been living in a like in a palace thinking that like you know oh i am you know letting his pride come over when his people were suffering out there and he never even knew it and so you know this could have been some anger that could have built up inside of him but as we look into exodus or chapter 2, verse 22, Um, let me read this to you. It says, she gave birth to a son whom um, he named Jershom. So before I actually read this, um, because it's kind of like going straight down to the bottom of chapter 2. So you skipped all this stuff, this important stuff. But Moses um, begins to state that he feels misplaced. And like, you know, once Moses runs away after he struck the officer, because he began to see that like... People were noticing, like, you know, oh, my gosh, he's the one who, like, struck the officer. And so, obviously, the Pharaoh heard about it. He got very angry, and he wanted to kill Moses. And Moses was, like, heck to know. Like, I'm running, like, out of fear. So, he ran, he ran, he ran. And as you notice, like, you can also see that, like, you know, Moses probably didn't have, just really didn't have a good relationship with God. Um, and so as he's running away you see all this fear like impacting him this anger impacting his life Um, and then soon enough he gets married because like you know he helped out these ladies Um, and it's just like a a little short little summary of like how he got married Um, but soon enough like he gets married Um, they have a son whom he named Jershom Jershom, I I believe I'm really bad with names in the Bible Um, and then he said for he said I have been a resident alien in a foreign land and then I wrote next to it I said Moses is feeling out of place again. Like he literally said like a resident alien, like he doesn't belong here. And um, it's just kind of like, you know, I I'm I'm in this foreign land and I'm a resident alien. Like I'm not from here. Um, but it's just kinda like, well, where are you from, Moses? Like you you ran away from Egypt, you ran away from your people, the Israelites, um, you've made a family outside of there for and you've probably been out from Egypt for a while now. Um, living, you know, a new life, um, being renewed, but in the wrong way without God. Um, And we don't really know a lot of history about like the whole story of what he did while he ran away. Um, We don't know if he maybe had gotten a better faith because we soon learn as we begin to get into chapter 3 that he states like, my god was speaking to me through the bush so he obviously knew who god was so maybe he did have like a faith as he was or grew up growth, like grew faith as he was moving on um and maybe he was renewed um he still had that fear showing because we'll begin to see that later on but you know just stating that he's a resident alien we just see that fear in him Um, so soon enough, Moses goes out because he's a shepherd and he's like walking to the mountain of God, um, which is a very important place as we'll see in the, like throughout Exodus. Um, but he begins to see a bush burning and he's like, okay, why isn't this bush like disintegrating? Like, it's just like, it's still beautiful, beautifully green. Um, you know, and obviously he may not have seen it, but he saw that it wasn't disintegrating. It was dark at night. So he goes up to the bush And then once God sees Moses looking at the bush, he says, Moses, Moses, and listen to this. And I heard this from before I actually read um, Exodus and got into a deeper conversation with, um, or conversation, but just like a deeper lesson and understanding with it. I was like, I was listening to a video and it was a girl and her name was Anna Mae Jenkins. And I know I talk a lot about her. Um, she is just really understanding and just, um, just amazing. And so I was listening to her YouTube video and I was like, oh my gosh, because she explained how God didn't call him failure, failure, or disappointment, disappointment. No, he called him Moses, Moses. And so I was like, oh my gosh. He's like, that literally is explaining false teaching, labeling. Like God does not believe and obviously labeling. And he definitely doesn't believe in false teaching because that's stuff that, you, that society puts on you. That your simple flesh tells you you are. Not who God says you are. And I was just like, that is just such a good understanding. So we see that. And then Moses begins um, and continues to doubt because God soon tells him a plan that he wants him to save the Israelites. And Moses begins to doubt. He's like, what? Like, what, you want me? Like, and that's how you see that maybe he didn't have, like, yes, he may have known who God was, but he didn't have that strength, that understanding or that full wisdom from God. Um, and so you see this in Exodus chapter 3, um, verse 11, which I'm about to read to you guys. I'm find my place. And it says, But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So he's literally saying, like, I am not the guy you're looking for. Like, you must have got me, like, mistaken with somebody else. Um, and then it also says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 13 and it says and he and the reason why i say moses begins and continues to doubt is because god keeps giving these reasonings like you're not you're not like this failure he's giving him all this wisdom but god keeps saying or moses keeps saying well yeah that's true but i i just don't know i don't know Um, And we just need to switch that but to therefore. Instead of saying, I just don't think I'm the right person. Instead of saying that, you could say, therefore, I must be a work, like, you know, God's work of art, or like, I'm doing this for, instead of saying, but I don't think I am, you know, and so we need, and I learned this from a book, which I'm going to explain to you guys what this book, um, the title is, who the author is, and there's even a little lesson I also want to share with you guys super quickly um, about that, but as we began to notice, he, like, says in... Exodus chapter 4 verse 10 through 13 he says but Moses replied and this is another like you know I don't know like his fear talking again and he says but Moses replied to the Lord please Lord I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish the Lord said to him who placed the mouth on your humans and notice he's starting to give him him the wisdom again and he says who makes a person mute or deaf um seeing or blind is it not i the lord now go i will help you speak and i will teach you what to say but then moses comes back and he says yeah that's true but and he says moses said please lord send someone else so he's like yeah that's true you are like the you know you have made you've made us and you've made the mouse and helped us speak but please just pick somebody else. Like, just not me. And you just see this fear just going back and forth, back and forth. And soon enough, God becomes angry. And we see this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. And it says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And, you know, this is how it is with us. You know, you know, God's like, look, I have a plan for you. And it's going to be even better than before. And you are going to love it. Like, you may not like the journey through it, but you will love it and you will thank me when we get there. But please just trust me. And we're like, no, <laughs> no, you must be crazy. Like you got the wrong person. I'm still like, you know, in that, you know, forensic. like I'm not really into that. You know, I'm not, I don't have the will and the determination yet. And it's like, God's like, dude, like I am literally about like as high, like I'm just almost about to go like go off like I'm literally giving you everything that you need for life and you keep praying to me you keep asking me to help you help you but when I give you the time and the place and you know and I give you that plan on how to get you or how to answer your prayer you keep stopping yourself midway you know I am I'm answering your prayer but now you're the one that's not helping you know Um, and so I just really just think that that's how it can be sometimes with us and that anger can show, but then soon, you know, this shows that God doesn't give up. So God's like, okay, look, I see determination in you, even though you may not see it yet. And because you have been filled with all this false teaching and lies from your sinful flesh. I will help you out. Still, I'm gonna still fight for you. So, if that means that we need some some other type of plan, or you know, if we need to, you know, fix around it, that is okay. We will we will figure it out. And so soon enough, God's like don't you have a brother named Aaron? And he's like super good at talking. And then, you know, Moses is like, yeah, I guess I do. Like, yeah, I do. And he's like, look, I'll have Aaron come meet you. And then you can be the one to speak the wisdom or you can be the one that speaks my wisdom to him. And then he can be the doer. Um, And then, you know, Moses is like, okay, I'm down. But like, what do I say? And now it's like, after he figures out one fear and that fear is gone, he puts another fear in the way. And so now he's saying, like, okay, but what if they don't believe me? Like, what if they're, like, and it's just, like, all these what ifs and buts. And it's just, like, dude, like, God has got your back. And so um, God shares his, like, soon enough, like, Aaron talks to you know Moses and you know it goes according to what God said he said that he was gonna like Aaron was gonna meet him so Aaron met him at the mountain of God um, a few days later and you know they were talking about how they were gonna work it out and you know how they were gonna you know do the stuff and they still followed God's plan Um, so Moses was like the preacher the one telling like Aaron what to do and then Aaron was obviously the doer the speaker um, but that begins to ri- arise throughout the process. And then Moses is like, gosh, like God, this is taking forever. Like we should have been done by now. Um, but God keeps his word. And then soon enough the sea splits and half and the Israelites praise and worship God. So, you know, it's just understanding that like, if we let God, if we just let go of that boogie board, right? We let go of that boogie board and we're in the ocean and we are sitting there and we're like, oh my gosh, I could have touched the ground this whole time sorry guys there's like jets that fly in the air and it's they're like so loud so loud um but that is not going to stop me from sharing God's wisdom so now I'm just going to share with you guys this little part from this book it's called the best yes and it's by Lisa Turkers she is like the best off like best author I think that um not I think but I know um that you know i have read her books and um i haven't stopped reading her books i haven't really switched to another author yet um and obviously i probably won't until i read all her like series of books um but this one is just super good it tells you how to make wise decisions in the midst of endless demands um but there's this part and it's called the fixed mindsets and the growth mindsets and so i'm just going to read these little parts to you so people with fixed mindsets see their abilities talents skills relationships and intelligence as limited and lacking and notice how moses fits in that he saw his abilities his relationships his intelligence his talents his skills as limited or lacking he didn't think that he could speak that he could share god's word or do the mission that god or the work that god gave to him um Where they are today is where they will always be. Things can't get better. It is what it is. Applying the best yes wisdom isn't really possible for people like me. And see how, you know, he's like, God's saying, like, dude, like, I'm giving you the best yes decision. Like, this is the best decision to make. And I'm telling you, you should take it. But he's like, I don't know. I just don't think it's like right for the people like me. And it's like, What people like you, we are all simple people. We all have simple flesh. And so it's just kind of like, you know, just let God take over. And it's just going to be, it's going to be all right. Every little thing is going to be all right. Um, But then listen to this. People with growth mindsets see their abilities, talents, skills, relationships, and intelligence with potential. Where they are today is a starting place, not a finish line. Things can get better. They can grow and develop and persevere to get to improved places. Using wisdom to make best yes decisions is possible. And you definitely can tell the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And as Christians and as people in general, we should strive for that growth mindset, not that fixed mindset. And you're probably asking, okay, well, how does this have to do with fear? How does this have to intervene Um, with our relationship with God. Well, it's because fear is a part of our mind, like our mindsets Our, you know, we have this fear and just like Moses, he had this fear of speaking in front of people, which caused him to have that fixed mindset. So if we were to just give that fear to Jesus Christ because he died, um, you know, for us to be able to pin our sins and our fears on the cross, um, it's amazing, um, and if we were to just give it to him, then that fear, you know, we would begin to grow that growth mindset. Um, and so I just thought this was really amazing. But to answer, to summarize this whole lesson, to answer the big question, how does fear intervene in our relationship with Christ? It intervenes with our relationship with Christ because we began to have that fixed that fixed mindset. Um, and as we see in Moses, it's it intervenes. The fear intervened with fear his relationship with God, you see a lot of sinfulness in here and just, um, very confusing and stressful life for Moses. Um, but soon enough, when you begin to dive, like dive deeper into the chapters, um, you begin to notice that there is like, you know, he begins to understand more and he begins to have more wisdom and his just, his relationship with God just becomes better. Um, so that is how fear intervenes with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we really just need to strive for that growth mindset. So I hope you guys love this lesson and I can't wait to, um, hear your guys' comments. Um, and guys, if you want me to pray for you, just DM me on Instagram. I love you guys so much. And I hope that this lesson spoke to you guys as much as it did to me. Um, love you guys so much. You guys have a wonderful day. Bye.